0: I invite you to open your Bible to uh, Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 11 to 15 this morning. Two days from now is a really big deal in our house. It's our son's 11th birthday, and so we are very much looking forward to that. I guess that makes Jonathan a a tween. I think that's a tween. There are still some things that he hasn't uh, let go of. Uh, from childhood he still holds my hand when we're walking through the parking lot at Costco uh, I'm 43 I still want to hold someone's hand in that have you been in that have you been in that parking lot that is a scary scary place and so I'm thankful that we have have that and and glad that there are some things that we continue I'm glad that he hasn't outgrown for instance our bedtime prayers I pray that he never does when we begin to pray, I, I start with praise, just thanking God for who he is, not who Jonathan is, who, who God is, I and mean, I usually have a, a characteristic or, or an attribute of God in my mind, and we just praise the Lord, say, thank you, Lord, for, for being our protector, our helper, our creator. God, you are a good God, you are a friend to us, you are almighty On Jonathan's birthday, I'm going to thank God for being a giving God. He gave us our son. In fact, his name, Jonathan, literally means Yahweh has given, or gift from God. Think about all God has given you. He's given you life. He's given you this hour of worship to meet together. He's given you grace and love and new life if you're a christian he's given us freedom from guilt and shame and and sin and and past baggage he's given to us his holy spirit as a as a guarantee and a seal on our life and i could go on and on john 3 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son god is a giver one of the most beautiful things that God has given you is a purpose for your life. If you're writing notes and you want to have a, a scripture to memorize, write this down, Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you know the purpose that God has given for you? in your life there are a lot of people who don't know the answer to this question but they're seeking and some have settled so well i guess this is the purpose of my life and others have given up thinking well i've already fulfilled the purpose of my life now i'm retired i'll just reflect back on what was or what might have been but what could god have for me now in my in my retiring ages We believe in a God who is a giver, and he wants to give us plain, honest answers to the question of our purpose. What is the purpose for our life if we but ask him? It is a beautiful thing to see a person doing what they were created to do and being who they were meant to be. But listen, there is no glory for God if we use our gifts for ourselves instead of for him. And there's no joy for us when we try to fulfill our purpose on our own terms, uh, by our own strength, instead of relying on God. Where do we get the answers that God wants to give us? A good place to start is in our passage this morning. When the Bible says we are God's workmanship, it means that God is at work in our lives to prepare us for his service. And we'll see in today's passage, uh, Moses grappling with these questions of uh, his identity and his meaning for his life. We're going to see him try to fulfill his life's purpose in his own strength, in his own timing, instead of relying on God. He'll try to be a hero. He's going to fail miserably. We're also going to see how God works through turning points in Moses' life to prepare him for his God-given purpose that will play out years later. Moses, we know as the hero of faith. That was years in the making. Now, there are lots of factors that go into shaping who you are. Family background, your personality, role models in your life. Even your birth order in your family, home life, education, social factors, experiences, both good and bad. They are all in the mix. And last week, we got a snapshot of the mix that went into forming Moses. So for those of you who weren't here last week, here's a little review. In the midst of, a, of the darkest, most unjust time for the people of God, when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. Moses was born... To faithful, courageous parents who hid him for three months. And we read about the extraordinary turn of events that rescued Moses from the Nile in that little boat, that little, that little ark made of, of papyrus reeds and pitch, how he was adopted by an Egyptian princess, and how he was then safely returned back into the arms of his mother to nurse him. So Moses' DNA was Levite. That would be the Hebrew tribe of future priests. So his parents, we know, were godly. They risked their lives rather than kill their baby. And it's easy to imagine, once he was safely returned to his mother's arms, that she would pray over him, whisper in his ear, the character of God, reminding him the promises that God had made for his people. These parents were fulfilling their God-given purpose. They relied on God. They were willing to say, Almighty God, if it is your will that our son be taken from us and live uh, in in the palace with our captors, with those that are abusing us, but with the Egyptians, Lord, your will be done. So that's Moses' DNA. In his formative years then, he had the best of everything. A prince of Egypt. Picture what that would have been like. The best accommodations, the best education, the best food, the best of everything. But he always knew he was a little different. And then there was his adopted mother, a princess who rescued this little Hebrew baby. So he had an Egyptian head and a Hebrew heart. And if we were Hebrew, if any of us here are Jewish, we wouldn't say so much heart, they'd say guts. His head was that of an Egyptian, but deep down, he was Hebrew. And all of that being raised in the lap of, of luxury, but growing up in that society and culture, God was sovereignly using all of those turning points to prepare him. Now let's read the passage, Exodus 2, verses 11 to 15. One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that. And seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? And he answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you kill the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now, Moses will find out later in Scripture, in in Acts, he was 40 years old and still trying to find himself. So parents that have 20-somethings living at home or returning home, hey, 40 years old, he's still trying to figure it out. He's a fascinating, complicated man. Let's begin the, at, at verse 11. Where did he go out from? He went out from the palace. He lived in that palace. He was brought up in such privilege, yet he went out and out to his people who were slaves. And he says it, he looked on their burdens. Moses saw the injustice that his people suffered. And so his DNA, how God had, had formed him, and how he had been formed not only by uh, how he was created, but also his life experience and his, his mother and his adopted mother, all that formed him that Moses in some fashion knew he would be a hero. A hero. But look at what he does. He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own, and his blood begins to boil. He's going to take matters into his own hands. Look what he does. This is premeditated murder, plain and simple. He took the time to make sure the coast was clear. He killed the Egyptian and then buried him. That's first-degree murder. Now Moses... Is coming from a place of privilege, he thinks he's going to get away with it, doesn't he? He has this warped sense of what's right and wrong. Somehow Moses was able to justify his actions because he returns to the scene of the crime the next day like nothing's happened. Well now there weren't any witnesses except for who was the only witness that survived. But man he saved. Moses is probably thinking, ah, this, this fellow is going to be thankful to me. I, I'm his hero. Surely he's going to keep my secret. So the next day he goes about his business. And again, Moses wants to be a hero. He inserts himself into a situation this time it's between two hebrews that are they're struggling uh and one of them is getting the snot beat out of him we can imagine he's going to jump in and, and straighten that and out but amazingly these two that are fighting they have one thing in common they don't want moses involved in their business the man says who made you prince and judge are you planning to kill me like you did that other man this was all the start of a huge turning point in Moses' life. Here's a guy who had everything going for him. The best of everything. And he thought very highly of himself. I imagine Moses thinking, I call the shots around here. I see things as they really are. Yeah, I live in a palace. Sure, I have servants, but I care about my people out there. I'm going to head back to the palace now, and I'll see you tomorrow and, and fix your problems. He has a heart for justice. I think he also was having a bit of an identity crisis. He's trying to do God's will his own way, by his own strength, by his own position and prestige and power, and because of his view of himself, It almost prevented him from fulfilling God's purpose. Moses wanted to be a hero, but God had only just begun to prepare him for his life's mission, to position him for where God would have him years later. He had some hard lessons to learn. He's found out, he freaks out, and he runs for his life because he knows what's coming. A death warrant from Pharaoh. Now, I can imagine there was not a lot of love lost between Pharaoh and Moses. Forty years, every time Moses walked by, the Pharaoh saw this Hebrew in his house who had been adopted by his daughter. I don't think there was any love lost at all. As instantly that he had an opportunity to sign that death warrant, I'm sure the Pharaoh did. And it says Moses fled from Pharaoh. He knew what was coming. It says he stayed in the land of Midian. Now notice something. Where does he end up? By a well. We've talked about that before throughout Scripture. All the places, a well, a place of of water, of living water, is an encounter with God. So keep that in mind. At age 40, Moses still had a lot of growing to do, learning to rely on the Lord which we'll start to see in the passage next week. But I want to turn your attention to another passage in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 and and 26. Hebrews 11 and 12, they speak to the great heroes of the faith, none greater than, than Moses. And the writer of Hebrews says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Does that describe the Moses we see here at age 40? Not yet. Not yet. He has a long way to go. But when Moses finally discovered who he was, who God had called him to be, what God had given for him to do, it was a beautiful gift. That's when Moses knew himself. More importantly, he knew God. And the writer of Hebrews says he knew Christ in a way. He didn't know Jesus Christ, but in a way he knew God had given him a purpose in life, And salvation. And part of that knowing was clarifying what he had to give up. Part of that knowing of his identity was understanding what he had to give up. He had to release and let go of the privilege of living in the royal courts. And he had to embrace an identity that was hard. It was a hard way. But it was truer and purer, and it was a way to life that glorifies God and brought him his own joy. Moses was the right man for the job, but he tried to go about it the wrong way in his own strength and power and not the Lord's. As believers in Christ, he has inserted into us his spirit, his DNA, and we are responsible To take a stand where there is injustice. That's what Martin Luther King Weekend is all about. Standing for justice. As the world grows in darkness, if we do not take a stand, we will fail to live out our identity as Christ followers and our purpose and our calling to live out the kingdom. To be examples of a better way to be human to demonstrate grace and mercy and love in Jesus' name, to bless the peoples of the world and to reflect the difference that God's grace and mercy and love have made in our lives. But if we're not living that life, we're losing it. If you want, if I want the best of both worlds to stay in my palace and occasionally venture out and then go back to my safe place, what like Jesus says you try have both you're going to lose your very soul so who are you listen to what god is trying to say to you plainly in this text this morning and ask yourself am i going about my business my own strength or am i relying on the lord So the first point is God calls us to identify with his people and things that that break the Lord's heart should break ours. Even when it causes us pain and persecution, he calls us out of our safe zones and into those dangerous places. And the second point is God doesn't call you to a purpose without also supplying you all of the gifts and experiences and passion and resources you need to do it. But the thing is, those resources, those gifts, might not look like what you would ask for. In doing God's will, mere human effort, however well-funded or well-intentioned or how committed or influential, will result in failure. That's true in your career in your educational pursuits, in your marriage, in your relationships, and yes, it's even true in the church. The only way forward is to be on God's side. This whole past year has been a year in a way, in the wilderness for Nielsville, waiting on the Lord. And so many people have come to me or come to our elders and say, "What's going to happen? What are we going to do? Where are we headed?" They so said, "We're waiting on the Lord." We're praying. We're not sure. And then there's been a turning point in the life of our church. And suddenly, all the options are before us. And now we can ask, how will we staff? How will we invest the resources that God has blessed this church with? What new things is, is God calling us to step out of our comfort zone into in new ministries How will we respond? And I want to ask us for you to consider by whose strength, whose authority will we live and do the work of God that he has planned for us as a church? God was planning to save his people, and Moses was part of that plan, but he had to learn what we learn from Jesus, that salvation does not come by works but by grace. So, this morning's text, we see uh, him thinking very highly of himself. Next week, we're going to see him struggle. We'll also see Moses begin to learn to walk by faith. I pray that would be true for us. We're coming out of a season of discernment and and waiting on the Lord, and now answers are starting to, to unfold before us. Let's trust him. God is a giver. He has given us a roadmap and a plan and a calling. Let's follow his lead. Let's pray. Thank you, Almighty God, for being our great giver. You made each person here for a purpose, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they would discover the purpose you have for their life. There are young people here, Lord, uh, who have their whole life ahead of them. And so, of course, we're focusing to think of, of what the purpose you'd have for their life is as well. But, but, Lord, you started using Moses when he was 80 years old. So, God, for, for those of us who, who are in the second half of our life, would you please, even now, say, what is that, that purpose you have for me? And, Lord, may we follow the lead of your son who said in John six thirty eight, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Help us to rely on you, not to go about our life, our careers, our relationships, this church, not in our own strength, but to treasure Christ and to look ahead to our reward in Christ. God, we pray for your intervention and the great concerns uh, of our world today. Lord, there is Uh, war. There is injustice. There is mistreatment. There is, even now, slavery. People think, oh, there's, that's in the past. No, it is still happening now, Lord, that people are being enslaved in this world. And so, God, we pray for justice. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, strengthen and protect uh, our citizens who serve in uniform around the globe and bring peace, Lord, where there is conflict and resolution, Lord, where there is unrest. We pray, God, for our president, for his cabinet, for the leaders of, uh, of our Congress, our national leaders. We pray, Lord, for our state and local uh, governments. Lord, we pray for our first responders. Lord, strengthen and protect them as they serve to protect and, and care for our communities. And close to home, Lord, we pray for those that, that are right here in our upper Montgomery County region that are struggling this hour. Folks that are homeless. Folks, Lord, that are that are near homeless, that are moving from home to home of friends. Lord, those that are underemployed and, and unemployed and struggling to make ends meet, Lord, we pray for them and we pray that you would mobilize uh, your church here in Germantown and, and in this region to make a difference for Christ. And Lord to, to fulfill the mission you've given to us. God, we pray for dear ones that are, are struggling this day who aren't able to be with us this morning for worship, especially, Lord, uh, for one uh, dear one who writes a prayer request here for someone battling cancer. And we pray, God, for, for, for tender mercies and healing. We pray, Lord, for our sister Sandy and sister Helen as, as uh, Sandy cares for her mother. And we pray, God, that you would strengthen her. And we thank you for, for both of our dear sisters, Lord, and for their their testimony to us. Thankful, Lord, for um, dear ones that, that have been blessed with, with a new job and employment and staffing. God, we pray, God, your blessing there and, and prayers, Lord, of thanksgiving for those celebrating a birthday. Rick today celebrating birthday, Molly's birthday, and Jonathan's this week. We ask you, God, to, to bless each of them. And so we pray as you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven,